How is everyone doing today? Good, good, excellent. I forgot my iPad, so I have to read off Tiny Phone today. <laughs> this is going to be fun. I'm going to be squinting a lot down there. I want to throw out my Happy Mother's Day to all of the wonderful moms, grandmas, aunts, older sisters. If you are a mentor to someone, this day is for you to be celebrated. This is a day to appreciate, to honor, and to reflect on all the amazing work it is to positively impact the lives of people around you. So happy Mother's Day to everyone who falls into that group. Thank you for everything you do. Now today, we are continuing our series looking at different aspects of Reformed theology. And specifically the last few weeks, we've been looking at the varying peoples of the Trinity. And so this week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Before we jump into that, I feel like we need to talk about the Trinity a little more because we haven't really touched too much on that. So the Trinity is really hard to understand, right? The Trinity is such a hard concept for us to wrap our head around because it sounds simple, but the further you dig into it, the harder it gets to understand. Uh, one of my favorite stories, I had a, a professor in seminary who did this a couple times. First time was, he was also a pastor, on a, on a Sunday morning, had everyone in the congregation, they didn't do a sermon that day, they was like, all right, here's a, a sheet of paper, write a full page on the Trinity. And he said, every single person wrote some form of heresy. <laughs> he was like, okay, so he did, did the same thing again in an intro seminary class. And the same thing, every single person wrote some form of heresy. Because the Trinity is such a hard thing for us to understand. Uh, there, there's a video, I, I really thought about showing it here, but we got a lot going on today, so I didn't. But we posted it a couple weeks ago. It's from a group, I think, I think they're called Lutheran Satire, I think is their name. But it, it's a video where it's St. Patrick, it's like this cartoon, trying to explain the Trinity to two people. And every time he uses some kind of analogy, to talk about the Trinity, the two people come back with like, no, that's this form of heresy, that's this, that's this. And the whole point of the video is the Trinity is something that we need to keep at a simple level for us. That we can't, that when we try to turn it into an analogy, it, it, it breaks down. To so the Trinity, the basic elements, it is all are equal, all are distinct. All are eternal, all are God. So this is kind of a chart that gets used a lot of times when talking about it, is you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You have each of them is not the other, right? Like God the Holy Spirit is not an extension or a creation of God the Father, right? They are all distinct, they are all equal, and they are all God. That's kind of what we should sit with with the Trinity. It's hard, you know, because sometimes you say, like, well, it's, it's like water vapor in different forms. Well, nope, because then you've just, to quote this video, that's modalism. Because <laughs> again, you've just reduced the Trinity, each element of the Trinity, to a specific entity, to a specific element, not all as the whole, right? It can be a nightmare to think about, I know. So, all are equal, all are distinct all are eternal, and all are God. 
that's what we hold on to as this idea of the Trinity. And I love the way that the letter of 2 Corinthians, the ending of it, sums this up. So this is kind of our author signing off, and this is his kind of ending salutation. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So you see in this, all three are equal. All three are worthy of being presented at the end. All three have different elements, but one element is not above another element. All are important. All are equal. And I think we can get caught up sometimes in what do we call each of the persons of the Trinity. Most often, you hear God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's just kind of the generic one you hear a lot. But, kind of like bad analogies, that's just how we think about it. That's a way to help us kind of understand. Other groups will say, God the mother, God the child, God the breath. And we'll get into why they might say God the breath later. But there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Other groups will refer to the Trinity by tasks. This one can be a little problematic, but, but I, I, I do like it for, for some reasons. They'll say God the creator, God the redeemer, God the sanctifier. Looking at important aspects of each person of the Trinity. So all this to say, like, you don't have to like, change how you talk about the Trinity, but just understand that the names we use for the Trinity fail in comparison to what the Trinity is. They're just a way for us to try to wrap our head around what, what are these persons of the Trinity. How can there be three distinct beings but still one God? Does that, that make sense a little bit? I just wanted to take a, kind of a quick caveat to touch on that because especially now going into the Holy Spirit, things can get murky. Things can get really confusing. But with the Trinity, keep it simple. Like that's the best thing. All are equal, all are eternal, all are God. That, keep that core element of it. So now let's dig into the last person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? And that question is even a weird way to phrase it sometimes, because you might want to say, what is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Anna and I had this discussion earlier this week of, well, how, how do we talk about the Holy Spirit? I will say, the Holy Spirit, with the, with, with the definite article. Other people won't, will just say, Holy Spirit. Because I, some argue, or you, know, you could think that if I put the in front of it, well, that's turning it into a thing, not a, not a person of the Trinity, right? And you could, some people might say that. For me, I use the just for grammatical reasons because I don't want to be confused grammar-wise. But for, so when I say the, I am not trying to reduce the Holy Spirit to a thing, to an office, sometimes people will say. So you have the person of the president and the office of the president. So like you can have multiple you know, presidents in history, but there's only one office of the president. And so sometimes 
by saying the Holy Spirit, some people think that's pulling the Holy Spirit down into a thing, an office, not at the same level as the Trinity. So don't think that's what I'm doing at all. For me, it's just a grammar thing. It's just easy to talk about it that way. But that, that, even that gets into the idea of the Holy Spirit's really hard for us to understand. There are over 200 references to the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, or Spirit of Yahweh. 200 times the Holy Spirit is talked about. The first one comes right away in Genesis 1-2. Genesis 1-2 is, And the earth was a formless void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So the Holy Spirit is present before creation. Getting at that idea of eternal, co-eternal. The, the Holy Spirit is present at Jesus' baptism. There, you know, when Jesus goes under the water, we read of the Spirit of God descended like a dove and was present. Which is why a lot of times visual representation to the Holy Spirit will be a bird, will be a dove. Because that verse right there is one of the only times where we get some kind of visual of the Holy Spirit. And so it's often depicted as a dove. Now, why do we call it the Holy Spirit? Where did that phraseology come from? Well, we're going to go down the nerd hole for a few minutes. The word in Semitic is ruach, which literally means breath or wind. So very literally, it's saying the breath of God, the wind of God. So how did we go from breath and wind to spirit? It's a long story, but the idea is that kind of breath is associated with life, with spirit, because the idea of like when you die, you take a final breath, and it's your spirit leaving. So that association became why we refer to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit, because it's going back to this idea of breath, wind, which got turned into spirit. So that's why. Don't read into it like it's the spirit, like we might think of spirit for us. Like, oh, it's the thing that's inside of us, but it's a part of us. And like, it'll just be maddening if you fall down that rabbit hole of, well, how does the spirit relate to God the Father? Is the spirit in God the Father? Is it no? Because again, back to the idea, distinct, separate, but equal. So now that we've completely cleared everything up about what the Holy Spirit, you know, is how, it got, how the Holy Spirit got its name, all of that, what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, I love the way John talk, or Jesus talks about it here in John. So this is Jesus talking. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may go be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him nor know him. But you know him, because he abides with you, and, it will, be wi- er, and, and will be with you. So, what's the Holy Spirit? It's a helper. It's the second helper who's the first helper? What's the answer to, correct answer to everything in church most of the time? 
Jesus, it's Jesus, yes. <laughs> so, first helper is Jesus. We talked about, when we're talking about Jesus, what, what did Jesus do? Jesus was our advocate. That's a kind of another way you could think about this idea of helper. Jesus departed, but knew we still needed a helper, so asked God to send another helper, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is what helps us understand God. All right, so how does the Holy Spirit do that? How does the Holy Spirit help us? How is it our helper right now? Well, go to another passage in 1 Corinthians. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are, because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to mere human judgments. I'm going to slide over here. So how does the Holy Spirit help us? By helping us understand God as much as we can understand God right now, but through the Bible. It's through the Bible that the Holy Spirit helps us. If you remember going back to week one, we talked about the Bible as kind of like our window into the mind of God. And we called the Bible one of the Holy Spirit's great works. And that work is continuing because it's, if we were just given the Bible with no help, we'd be in real trouble because I don't know if you've ever read it. It's, it. It can be dense at times. It can be hard to understand. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It helps us understand it gives us these words taught us, not by human experience, but words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that helps us. Now, if you want to get big and fancy, this is a process that we sometimes call sanctification. All this means is this is the process of us becoming holy the process of us becoming a little less terrible every day. <laughs> and this is an ongoing process. This is a process that will never be completed while we're alive. This is the process the Holy Spirit will do in us throughout our entire lives. It's a process that we work on every single day, that the Holy Spirit works on us, partners with us, helps us with every single day day. Now, there's another element of the Holy Spirit that we, that often gets talked about. It's the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a phrase you hear quite a bit, maybe most famously at Pentecost, which I think it's like two weeks is Pentecost Sunday, which I, I kind of thought about trying to line this up to happen on Pentecost Sunday, but it would have thrown things off too much if I didn't. But this is, this happened after Jesus had ascended into heaven, uh, Jesus' disciples and followers were, were gathered together, and the Holy Spirit came down and, you know, anointed them. Now, the idea of the phrase, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, today often kind of has a bad reputation. 
Because when you think most often of someone getting filled with the Holy Spirit, you think of someone on the ground shaking, right? Like, that's what we most often think of. But getting filled with the Holy Spirit is an amazing thing. And the way I've, I like to think about it is they are moments of intense sanctification. They are tiny glimpses into the mind of God. When we have these moments where the Holy Spirit comes to us, speaks to us, fills us up, it's these moments of jump in our sanctification. It's moments when we understand God a little more. And we just get a glimpse of the mind of God. And it fills us up with joy, with love, with awe, and with honor. So that's what I like to think of when we talk about getting filled with the Holy Spirit. It's our connection with God. It's our connection with God, with the Holy Spirit. So the question becomes, how do we partner with the Holy Spirit? How, how can we help our helper, right? The Holy Spirit's been sent to help us, so what can we do? Well, we, by seeking out the Holy Spirit, and you might guess what's coming next. The chart. The chart's coming next. Because the Holy Spirit helps us through a wide variety of ways. By, you know, seeking Jesus, connecting in with your Bible, praying. Those are all ways the Holy Spirit speaks to us. We can't learn the mind of God more through the Holy Spirit, through reading the Bible, if we're not reading the Bible. So that has to be a, a big element of it. The Holy Spirit also helps us in our daily walks, our daily lives, whether that's giving us the right words when talking with people, like conversations, or whether it's understanding someone who might need to be talked to, or seeing a moment in time and hearing God's voice in it, like being at parties, those parties we talked about, opportunities to let the Holy Spirit guide you. The Holy Spirit can speak to us through worship, through song, through preaching, through a lot of things. That can be happened at Sunday worship. So a lot of these elements up here are ways the Holy Spirit can speak to us, are ways we can partner with the Holy Spirit. We can help our helper. We can allow our helper to help us to understand God, to understand the mind of our Creator just a little bit more, to understand that love. And it creates this amazing cycle, because the more we understand God, the more we love God. The more we love God, the more we understand God. That's the amazing cycle that the Holy Spirit allows us to enter into. So that's the Holy Spirit, our second helper the one who helps us in the process of sanctification. The one who allows us to understand God. That is the Holy Spirit. That is the third person of the Trinity. Join me as we pray.